Thanksgiving is such a basic thing. Um, when you think about it, you don't have to have a degree to be thankful. Little kids can be thankful. Uh, everybody can be thankful. It's a very basic human thing to, be, uh, to happen to us. And it's a, a great opportunity. Matter of fact, it's so basic and so foundational that uh, the Scriptures talk about it all the time. Uh, matter of fact, the Scriptures say that the will of God is that so we're to be thankful in everything. So uh, that's already, a matter of fact, it says that the Spirit-filled person is a person who is giving thanks at all times, uh, giving thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a recognition of the good things that are going on. A few years ago, and I'm going to pull it out just now, uh, see if I can, if I've got it set up for this. A few years ago, I was uh, learning about uh, the Iroquois people and some of the things they do. The Iroquois do not call themselves Iroquois. Uh, that's, if, if they do, it's just simply to be a convenience for the culture around them. The Iroquois are called the Haudenosaunee. That's the people of the longhouse. That's what that means. Matter of fact, most native tribes, their name means the people, whatever they've, they've, they've named themselves. The, for instance, the Sioux or the uh, Navajo. That is not what the Navajo call themselves except to uh, um, go, get along with the culture. They call themselves Diné, and Diné means the people. The, the Sioux don't call themselves the Sioux. They call themselves Lakota, Dakota, Brule. They, they've got a lot of different names, and each of those names mean the people. So the Haudenosaunee, they have uh, a, a gathering once a year. It's not, not a, at this time. But it's a gathering once. As a matter of fact, most of their gatherings, before they do anything, they have a Thanksgiving prayer. And that Thanksgiving prayer includes the uh, a prayer of thanksgiving for the people, the earth. And when they give thanksgiving for the earth, they speak of the soil. And the soil being a living thing, it's got microbes in, it's got all kinds of things, and life comes out of that soil. They speak of soil being a foundation that we can walk on. They speak of soil being that which we build houses upon, that which uh, provides the vegetation for us. Then after they speak about the soil, they speak about the waters. Uh, they, they give thanks for all the waters because the water waters everything around. They get drinks from it. It's refreshed from it. They clean up from it. Uh, it's given to them. Then when they think about the waters, they think about the fish in the waters. So they give thanks for the fish in the waters, for the food they provide, for the way in which they take care of one another in the water. Then they go on from there to the plants. And they think of the plants, uh, they give thanks for the plants in many different ways. They think of the berry plants that they get to eat from. They think of the medicine plants that, that heal them because that was the way they, they had their medicines in the first place. They think of the medicine, the, the medicine plants. Uh, they think of those that provide clothing for them because many plants you, you can turn into clothing. A cotton, for instance, is a uh, vegetation clothing. Uh, they think of how some of those plants provide shelter for us. We build houses out of wood, and uh, that's coming from the plants. So they think of everything that they use those plants from, and they give thanks for it. They don't, they don't take anything for granted, at, this, at least this prayer does not. I'm not going to tell you everybody is just like that. Uh, they think of the fed, food plants, the medicine herbs. 
Then they go to the animals, and they thank God for the animals, the food they provide for people, the different things that they do for people, the way they help take care of the earth. Um, as, as I don't know if you, if you know this or not, but the bison were the ones who took care of the Great Plains. It's through the bison that the Great Plains kept being the Great Plains. The bison became the great lawnmowers of God. They would eat the grass down to where it would be uh, short enough that the, uh, it would prompt it to grow up. And as it would grow up, it would, it would cause the um, roots to go deep down into that soil and to, so it could get more water and more of everything else so they could grow back up again. So the bison had a way to go all the way around of gathering things around. When they weren't eating on the high enough levels, God sent wolves among them or bears among them or um, mountain lions, variety of animals, predator-type animals that drove them out of the plains and up into the higher territory where they would eat there. Uh, so they give thanks for the animals. Let me get that back to my... Then... Uh, after the animals, they, they thanked God for the trees and all the things that they got from the trees. And I want you to think just for a moment, how many things do we get from trees? You know, just, just think of it. You, you've, got, you've got fruit trees, so you get all kinds of fruit from them. Uh, you've got um, acorn trees. Now, they even used acorns uh, to make flour. Uh, they would take the acorn itself, take the shell off of it, and then they'd grind it all up, and it became a flower for them to make food from. So they were grateful for the, for the flowers. They, they then gave thanks for the birds um, and all the different kinds of birds that there were and how those birds were helpful to them, how the birds gave signals to them. Have you ever gone out in your yard and listened just for a moment to see what the birds are saying? The birds and the squirrels always tell me when cats are around. They will let me know. The squirrels will just bark like crazy. The birds will all sing. And I've noticed that when there's a hawk in the area, there are certain birds that let us know the hawk is in the area. And we have learned to listen to the different cries that the birds make. It's a valuable thing. They are important to us in that. You follow where I'm coming from? So as, you, as they think of the birds, then from there, they think of the winds and how important air is. It isn't just the, that the blowing of the wind, but it's what the winds tell you. They know that when the direction of the wind changes, there's a storm coming. They know when the direction of the wind changes and the feel of that weather they know when pressure systems are coming, just, just as we do. I'm not saying that they were you know, some kind of special genies or anything like that. I'm just saying simply they learned because that's where they lived. They learned to look at those things, and they became grateful for what the winds told them. They became grateful for the air they got to breathe. Okay? Uh, not only that, they thanked God for the thunders uh, and what those thunders teach them that the thunders tell them when there's a storm coming, the thunders tell them when the seasons are changing, the thunders tell them a lot of things. Then they thank God for the sun and all the warmth that comes from the sun, all of the processes that are developed by the sun. They then think of the moon and what it does at night, how it draws things, how it moves the waters. 
uh, how it does that at night. They think of the stars and how the stars help them navigate and get around through things. Uh, then they, they thank God for their elders, for the, those enlightened teachers who teach them different things, who teach them all about the things they're doing. Uh, <clears throat> then last, certainly uh, not least, they thank God for himself. You're such an awesome God. We thank you and we give you praise for who you are and all the things that you have made. And then after they have finished that prayer, they say, we thank you for our minds now are one. And what they've done by everybody listening to the Thanksgiving that's being offered and all of them thinking about that Thanksgiving and thinking about each part of that Thanksgiving, their minds do become one. It's an amazing thing what Thanksgiving can do to you. It's amazing what it can change. Well, I'm going to be at Psalm 100 tonight. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Psalm 100, I just want to speak just a few minutes about Psalm 100. Now, tonight I'm reading from the New American Standard, so it may sound a little different from what you have. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good, <clears throat> his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. Beautiful, beautiful psalm. <clears throat> this word, shout joyfully to the Lord. Matter of fact, let's look to the Lord in prayer just now. Father, thank you so much. You are an awesome, awesome God. Thank you for all the things that you have created, for the way you have brought us together as brothers and sisters, as a family together. Not something we did, but something you did. Thank you for the new birth that each of us have experienced in knowing Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and becoming that new people who have a great future ahead for us. <clears throat> we thank you, Father, for the opportunity we get to have to share with one another, to have food with one another, just to enjoy the very presence of one another. You are truly a great, great God. We want to reflect your glory, Father. We want to reflect the way you do things. We know that Father, Son, and Spirit all work together as a great team, and we want to work together as the Edgemont Bible Church as a great team. Thank you for what you're doing there. Thank you that you made that the way of life. Thank you for all our brothers and sisters. Thank you for each of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, it's our joy right now to lift up Tom Bozeman to you and ask that special healing be coming his way, that you would uh, create whatever is necessary to have that a heartbeat, get back into rhythm again. <clears throat> and for it, Father, to um, if there is something that's blocking something there, we ask that you might grant they might have much wisdom to take care of that. Thank you for what you'll do there. We lift up Roxanne. We lift up our brothers and sisters who have been sick for some time now. Uh, we ask in Jesus' name that you will minister healing and grace to them, for you are the Lord who heals us. Thank you now for what you're going to do as we get opportunity to look through the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's get this down. Thanksgiving is thoughtful. 
Thanksgiving is thoughtful. In In order for you to be thankful, you need to be thoughtful. You have to think your way through, what is this world like? What's around me? What do I need? What what has been met? What has God done for me? And sometimes that means you're going to have to, uh, as as we sung about tonight, count your many blessings. Sometimes you're going to have to look back and see, what was it that God did that brought me to this place? And it's because of that you're going to do what is said here in Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord, and then he he wants to make sure that that's not limited to who does it. It's all the lands. It's not just you. He's calling on everybody to shout joyfully. God is great, so make a big deal of it. You know, shout joyfully to the Lord. <clears throat> when you have understood, you have thought your way through what it is that God's done for you, you've looked back in your past and you realize these are the things that God has done. I know um, when I graduated from college, I had a Bachelor of Arts in Biology. I'm going to be an ecologist, and I have a, uh, a job with the Missouri Conservation Commission where I'm going to help them, uh, I want to say manufacture, and that's not exactly correct, genetically engineer a trout that will grow fast. We, we wanted to be able to, we, this was going to be in Branson, Missouri. Branson has Lake Tanicoma that's run through it. Branson is a tourist area. One of the kinds of tourists that come there are fishermen. And those fishermen, when they come there, like to catch trout because that's what's in Lake Tanicomo. Well, if you could create a trout, they could get it to be 8, 9, 10 pounds. That's a massive trout. And if you could get people to catch that and the newspapers to report that, what do you suppose is going to happen within the next few weeks? That's right. You're going to have a lot of people show up in Branson. They're going to fish, and if they fish, they're going to have to eat. And if they eat, you're going to have to have the restaurants. You're going to have to have. And then at night when they can't fish, what if you had theaters for them to go to? So they created theaters for them to go to. So there's a lot of entertainers and entertainment-type people in Branson. Branson is a very entertainment-oriented place. But I was supposed to help with that. Well, a week, two weeks before I, my first uh, day at work, they called me to say, no funding came in for your job, you're jobless. That's in June. Everybody in college has graduated or is out for the summer. They've already got jobs. Do you know how many jobs are left open in June? I would tell you, it's, it's not a high level of jobs that are open. I wound up finally getting a job for Silver Dollar City, an entertainment place, an amusement park. So I went to work at Silver Dollar City punching tickets. My father-in-law said, well, well, let's see now. Bachelor of Arts in Biology, punching tickets at at, at, um, Silver Dollar City. Boy, that was worth it, wasn't it? Yes, sir. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. All right. And ultimately, I didn't work at Silver Dollar City anymore. Worked through the winter at Silver Dollar City, but I got a job at, wow, Holiday Inn. And at Holiday Inn, I got to be the maintenance man at Holiday Inn. I graduated from maintenance man all the way up to behind the counter. 
which was the first place people started talking about my voice. I don't do anything about my voice, kids. That's just the way it came. But I would answer the phone, and we had one of the old um, phones where you you pull out the wires and stick them in someplace else, phone jacks, and the regular switchboard. So uh, room so-and-so is calling, yes. Good afternoon. How can I help you? Ooh, I like that. Yes, ma'am. How can I help you? <laughs> so that's, that's my le- But as a maintenance man, I learned how to do swimming pools, how to make swimming pools have little diamonds on the top of them, you know, where there's no black or red in it right there. There's no green in it right there, just little caps in it. And I learned how to process that water and get that working just like it's supposed to work. My father-in-law reminded me, that's where your biology's at work, man. Look at you. You're a swimming pool guy. Yes, sir, I'm a swimming pool guy. Well, God got a hold of our heart, and we moved to Kansas City, Kansas, where I was going to go to Calvary Bible College. Once again, I sought a job. I could not find a job any place. I had been working over in Kansas City, Missouri. That job I wasn't going to be able to keep and go to school. So I tried to find a job in Kansas City, Kansas. In Kansas City, Kansas, nothing was available. And then the guy who is working my case called me and said, I got a job for you and it pays real good. I said, oh, oh this I, I like, I'm, I'm liking this better and better all the time. Hours are great, he said. Don't have to worry about a thing. I said, great. Then he said, how serious are you about this religious thing? I said, I don't even understand your question. What does that mean? He said, well, aren't you going to some kind of Bible school or something like that? Yes, I'm going to Bible college. How serious are you about that? What does that have to do? Is that one of my interview questions? Well, sort of. Okay, where's the job? Well, I need to know first how serious you are about this religious thing. I said, it's my life. Mm, okay, Got a job for you, and it pays real good. This would be like $25 an hour. Now, kids, I want you to know, in 1973 and 4, that's some significant money. I said, he said, you only have to be two to three hours a day. I said, that's $75 a day. Yeah, it's really good money. I said, where is this? And he says, here's this studio. Go to that studio. I said, what studio? What do I do at the studio? Well, he said, they paint. Uh-huh. And all you have to do is sit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He said, I ask you how serious you are about this religious thing. Well, the job that I was offered was a nude model at a studio. I, I, I didn't study biology to do that. Everybody follow where I'm at? I said, no. But Shar and I were going to a church that had a school, and she got a job at the school being the teacher for physical education and history. And I go in, and this church was very strong about no mixed bathing. I had no concept what mixed bathing was. I, in my mind, I'm thinking, what church would ever consider that anyway? Why, why would anybody do mixed bathing? And so I said, uh, so I said, uh, yeah, sure, I'm not into that at all. <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. 
I'm thinking, what kind of a city am I in? So anyway, they met swimming. And I, I wasn't aware of that. So they didn't let the men and the women swim together. So on men's swim night, I went in. I said, I'm not getting in that pool. That pool, no, that thing's black. It's nasty. What? Who's doing this? Yeah, something wrong with that, man. We throw chlorine in it, and it just doesn't do anything to it. I said, can I come by and look at your setup? So I came by the next day, and I said, give me a week with this, and I'll see if we can change this. So within a week, I got little diamonds on top of it. Guess what, kids? I got a job. A job at that school. It was paid enough that Char didn't have to be at that job. She could stay home with Christopher. Now, I told you that long story to tell you this. Not getting a job at the Conservation Commission gave me a job at Holiday Inn that taught me how to do pools, that gave me a well-paying job my whole time at Calvary Bible College. That's God in his sovereignty letting things happen. You follow where I'm at? That's counting your blessings. That's looking back and not saying, oh, my life was horrible, all this, all that. Stop. What did God do in your life that brought you to this? And once you can start seeing, oh, if he hadn't done that there, I wouldn't be. Oh, and then this happened because of that happened. And you begin to see that your life is actually a tapestry. There's all kinds of little fibers in this thing that run in all kinds of directions. And on your side, it just looks like a bunch of knots and a bunch of ends of string. But on God's side, it is a beautiful Persian rug. You, know, you follow where I'm at? And once you can take around and look at that other side, you can say, shout joyfully to the Lord. Wow! God, you are great. You do things so very well. Everybody see where I'm at? So shout joyfully to the Lord. Let's go on. Then because you have learned that, because you've learned this good shouting joyfully, he commands you to serve the Lord with gladness. So with that serving the Lord with gladness, instead of serving the Lord with, uh, oh, man, it's a wanna night. Oh, I got to do a wanna again tonight. I'm so tired, you know, and it was a long day, and it's, you got a chance, just go in and serve the Lord with gladness. If you got a job, serve the Lord with gladness, man. God gave you a job, and enjoy that job. Just do your best at that job. Enjoy it every bit. So serve the Lord with gladness. Look, Thanksgiving involves the whole person. It involves the whole person. It's about your mind. It's about your will. It's about your emotion. It's about your spirit. Let that be what goes on. Listen to all the things that it says in here. <clears throat> Serve the Lord with gladness. So what has to happen in my heart? I got to get glad, do I not? So there's an emotional thing. Now, here, here's the deal. Know that your mind is not your master. It's your servant. You tell your mind what you want it to do. Your mind is set up with a, what's it called, the reticular active activation system in the back of your, runs right down the back of your neck. It's made so that it records things that are important to you. Have you ever said, uh, oh, you know, we need to go buy some um, 
Oh, I'd, I'd like to buy a yellow Volkswagen. That's what I'd like to buy more than anything else. And now all of a sudden, as you're driving down the road, all you see is yellow Volkswagens. You didn't know there were that many yellow Volkswagens anywhere. Or you said, uh, I, I, one time I told Char, I'd, I want to build a fire pit for us, but I'm going to need brick to do it. So I need to find some brick someplace. So I go price it at Lowe's and say, nope, that's not for a fire pit. Don't know what that's about, but I'm not buying that. Now I drive down the road, and because the R reticular activated system has heard me say I want to buy bricks, it shows me bricks everywhere. Now, they may have been there before, and I never saw them before. But now they're everywhere. That works the same way if you say, you get up in the morning and you say, ugh, I'm so painful. The RAS says, did you say painful? Oh, okay. Yeah, painful. Bring up everything that has to do with painful, guys. So all the files that have to do with painful now tell you, that's my toe that's hurting. Oh, ow, man, how'd it hurt my finger? I didn't know my finger was hurting. Now, your brain is telling you, because you told it what you wanted, your brain is telling you everything. It's saying, here are the things that are painful. If you say, it's not going to be a good day today. It looks like it's raining outside. Do you say rain? you say not a good day? Okay, bring up everything about rainy days. All right. So now everything that you could possibly think wrong, you, you walk to the car and you get soaked on the way to the car. You sit in your seat and now you're saying, this is miserable. You just told your brain, bring up everything that's miserable. So just like he's supposed to do, he brings up things that are miserable. Are you following where I'm coming from? Your brain is your servant, not your master. It's not your brain telling you that you're going to have a bad day. You are deciding, I'm going to have a bad day, and your brain is reinforcing what you told it to do. If you're to serve the Lord with gladness, you tell your brain, uh, your body, stop complaining. We get the opportunity to serve God here. Let's go serve God. And your brain says, did you say serve God? Yes, and I said serve with gladness. Gladness! Bring up everything that makes us glad. So now all the files come up in your head that are about gladness. So now you see somebody and you smile at them. And they smile back. And you greet somebody and they greet you back. And now all of a sudden you're feeling better and better about being where you were. You you talk to some of your Awana kids or your Trail Live kids or your Sunday school class or whatever group it is. And they now are enjoying your presence. It's not because you've just become some new charismatic individual. It's because you told your brain, we are glad, and we're going to serve the Lord with gladness, okay? So it involves every part of you. Your smile is going to be affected by it. Your words are going to be affected by it. All of those things are going to be affected by it. And here's what he tells us, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Now, you, you may look a little silly. But it's not a bad idea just to be singing. Bring up your favorite song. Sing it along. I, I enjoy the songs we sang tonight. I thought those were good songs. They were, they were fun to sing. Be a singer. You say, well, I, I don't carry a tune in a bucket. Well, get a new bucket. You know, don't, don't even worry about it. Just sing. You know, don't, don't worry about what that is, all right? Then it goes on to say, no, that involves your mind. That means that this is the uh, Hebrew word, yada, which means uh, you got to know experientially. 
This isn't just intuitive things you're knowing. It's you have experienced God. Know that the Lord, and that's his name here, Jehovah. That's, the, that's his personal name. Know that this God, or that this Jehovah, he's God. He's Elohim. He is the big one. There, there are lots of small Elohim that are not gods, even though God has called them gods. They indeed are Elohim. But he is the Elohim. He is Yahweh Elohim. So that's what you're supposed to know. You set that in your brain. You're not saying there's, there's a lot of gods and he's just one among many. No, he is the God. All right, ever follow where I'm coming from? All right, let's go on further. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Um, that is such a good idea to keep in mind. God knows you. God made you. God created you. He doesn't make junk. Yes, there are, there are certain things in your system that may not work like others. We've, we try to tell the kids at school, don't compare yourself to anyone else. That's not what your life is about. God made you the way he wanted you to be. Enjoy the way God made you. Don't compare yourself to that one, whether you're better looking than that one, worse looking than that one, you got a better shape than that one, less shape than that one. Stop. You're humans. And God was pleased with what he made in each one of you. So just enjoy that. Don't compare yourself with others. <clears throat> As he says here, it is he who made us and not we ourselves. You're not a self-made person. You, you may have taken advantage of the gifts that God gave you and, and have done some good things with those gifts. If you did, go for it. Good job. Glad you did. Be, you were diligent at the, with, the, with the stewardship that God gave you. That's a wonderful thing. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. And, and if you haven't done that yet, then get with the program. Start taking all the gifts that God has given you and using them. Serve the Lord with gladness. Know that he's God. It's not he who made us. We, uh, or it is he who made us and not we ourselves. You didn't make yourself. You're just taking advantage of the things that God has given you. Then notice this. This is where identity comes in so important. Kids, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Identity. We live in a world of identities, whacked out identities. People are identifying themselves in all the wrong way. I, you know, I listened to, um, and I don't like any kind of serial killers. But when, when you speak of a gay bar, why in the world would you ever identify yourself by some sexual practice? That, that's not your identity. You're a child of God. Let that be your identity. That's your foreverlasting identity. You, you may be in the role of a male. You may be in the role of a female. You may be in the role of a wife. You may be in the role of a husband, role of a mother, or role of a father, but those are all roles. There may be a day when that's not significant anymore. Matter of fact, that could be now that that's not significant. You know, you, can you be single and serve God? Yes, you don't identify yourself as a single. What does that mean? That, that seems to identify yourself in relationship to family. Here's what you are. 
You're a child of God, and that's what you'll be forever and ever and ever. Well, you, you'll go from being a child to being a son one day, but that's what you are. So don't let the identity politics of this world keep pushing you into some strange category. Just be a child of God. You may have a variety of roles, but enjoy this. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Let your identity be connected to him, not to other people, not to some practice going on. You, you can say, I, I'm, a, I'm a Marine. Okay, that's a role you're playing. That's not your identity because there are not Marines in heaven, but there are children of God in heaven. There are children of God who in a role as a Marine was there. Same thing's true with whatever occupation you think you have. You can say, I occupied my time on earth building planes at Boeing. But that was a role, not your identity. And when we confuse those two, when we don't see ourselves as his people and the sheep of his pasture, we'll get confused about what is important to us in life. For instance, you lose your job at Boeing, now who are you? I used to build planes that, well, I suppose I could say, if you retire from Boeing, <laughs> there we go. I used to build planes. No, you're a child of God. You were a child of God while you were at Boeing. You're a child of God after Boeing. Um, I saw this for a man. You know, it is right that uh, in this culture that the husband dies and leaves a widow. But I knew a man once, his wife died and left him a widower. And he identified himself so much as her husband that he was lost when she was gone. He had no idea what to do with himself. And he became bitter with it because he wanted to identify as her husband and couldn't. She's not there anymore. And I mean, literally, he would get angry about it. You know, why did, why did God take my wife? God didn't take his wife. We're all terminal. You're not going to get out of here alive. Al just panicked on that thing. He, he, <laughs> there are people, <laughs> well, I'm not going to go with any further than that one. All right. Then I love this, this imagery that's left here of pilgrims coming to Jerusalem. So here are these pilgrims. They're all gathering around here, coming from, Jeru uh, from uh, Galilee region. They're coming from the Negev. They're coming from uh, over near the coast. They're all coming. They're all going to meet at Jerusalem. And when they get to Jerusalem, they're all singing songs. Matter of fact, there's a, a whole bunch of so uh, psalms here that are called psalms of ascent. Those psalms of ascent are the ones that you, are, you sing when you're walking up the hill to get to Jerusalem. Do you remember Jerusalem's built on Mount, uh, Mount Zion there? So there are certain hymns or psalms that you sing on your way up, and those are rightly called psalms of ascent. You'll see them in, uh, uh, at, over the title, just under the, uh, where the psalm number is given. Oftentimes you'll see it, a psalm of ascent. That just means that's the ones you sing when you're going up the hill. All right. Well, when you get up the hill and you finally get to where the, the, the temple is, you see this great big wall there and, and a gate. 
And with that great, inside that gate is the courtyard of the king. This is the courtyard of God. And, and inside the courtyard there is the temple itself, the holy place, the holy of holies, all inside that that only the priest can get to go in. But inside the temple, and a lot of times um, you, you saw the glory of God sitting on it. You know, it had the, the pillar was on it, the, uh, whether it was a cloud or a fire. That was there, and everybody knew the presence of the Lord was there. It, it left in, in Ezekiel, but uh, the Lord was there. So when you would sing that psalm of ascent, then you'd finally get up to the temple. You'd go stay with some neighbors or friends or relatives, whatever it was, and then in the morning you'd get up and you'd want to go pray. So you would, you would see that great big temple area there, and here is the gates to go to the courtyard. So what you would do, you would enter his gates with thanksgiving. You'd start rehearsing your blessings, start counting, this is how God did this, this is how God did that. God gave me a family, God gave me this, and you'd count your blessings. You would thank God as you go into, into the gates. Then once you got inside the gates, you would enter his courts with praise. Now, you're not just talking about what he's done for you, you're talking about his character. What's he like? You can say the grace of God has, has spared me. The grace of God is holy. It's good. Then you say the mercy of God, the long-suffering of God, whatever it was, the different attributes of God, you would give praise. Perhaps you would just sing his names. And if you just took these eight names and spoke of his eight names and what they mean, the Lord is, he's our peace. I am at peace with my God because God is my peace. I, I am, he's my banner. He's got me surrounded. He's above me. He's beneath me. He's on either side of me. He's surrounded me. The Lord has kept me. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is protecting me. He's, he's my uh, year, my provider. And you can think of all the ways that, Lord, you are a provider. You provide for all people. We praise you because you are a provider for all people. Once you've done the thanksgiving, entering his gates with thanksgiving, you've gone into his courts now with praise, you are ready to worship. You are set now to worship, and that's to be in the presence of God. Why? Because you just told your brain, complaint is not what we're about. We are complaining about nothing today. We're not even aware of how hot it is, how cold it is. None of those things are important. You know, it's an amazing thing when you are focused, what you can't hear. Uh, in, in part of our training we had uh, while I was down in Texas, part of that was they took us outside. I had a three-person team. They took us outside, and all they said was, run to that van. So we ran to the van. We, we don't know what we're supposed to do there, anything. We get around the other side of the van, and here's this young man. He's got his leg caught up in the wheel well, and he's got makeup on to show that he's got a very bloody leg. Well, that means it's time for a tourniquet on that leg. You're going to have to get that taken care of. So someone starts getting the tourniquet. I am slow at everything. I don't even see that there's a driver in the van. But that driver jumps out of the van, runs right over to me and said, is he going to be all right? Is he going to be all right? Is that guy going to be all right? I'm saying, yes, just have a seat here, man. 
It's going to be fine. Got a great group of people working on him. He's going to be fine. So I started asking him, what, uh, are you the driver of this vehicle? Yeah, yeah, I'm the driver. Is he going to be all right? I said, yeah, he's going to be fine. And so I'm having a conversation with him. After that, they debriefed. How many of you heard the horn honk? Not a one of us had heard a horn honk. How many heard someone shouting about uh, the, the car? Not a one of us had heard the car. We hadn't heard anything. How many of you knew the van was still running? None of us. Why did no one go to make sure that the van was in park? Why didn't somebody take the keys out and keep them with you to keep them from running away? So I get the phone and I call 911. What was I, what I was supposed to do, all right? And so I'm trying to give the location where we are and so on and so forth. And I hung up and I said, oh, good. The police and the ambulance are going to be here. The police, the police are coming. And boy, now he darts for the van. Apparently he's recognizing he just ran over this kid. And he's afraid the police are going to be there. I don't know what all information is behind him because I didn't ask anything. You understand what I'm saying? I'm focused on one thing. Because I was focused on one thing, I couldn't hear the rest. Now, that can be to your advantage. Once you're focused on thanksgiving and then on praise, you're not thinking about anything else. You're not thinking about what am I going to do next Tuesday to pay that bill? How am I going to go on vacation this year? You're not thinking any of that anymore. You're focused, and that's all you can think about. That's what God wants us to be on when we're so focused on praise, thanksgiving, and worship. Well, I'm going to let our time be gone right now. Uh, we've, we've had a good time here uh, this evening. Let's think of, Al had already asked us for five things we're grateful for, or five, five blessings, I should say. That's what he, he had asked. Let's talk about things that we have to be thankful for. I hope that something that um, we've talked about here tonight has inspired you. How many of you have something in your past you can look back on now and say, oh, man, that was a great thing. That was a great event. I can see how God used that event to get this going. See if you can help reprogram people's thinking so that their servant brains will start thinking about, how was I blessed? And it's amazing what that can do to your meetings and your gatherings with people as they begin to think, well, it's, when somebody begins to say Thanksgiving or says a happy thing or something like that, their brain automatically goes to, did he say happy thing? Did he say Thanksgiving? What are you thankful for? If you want to be a part of this group, you're going to have to give something thankful. And your brain will start bringing up things that you are thankful for. You follow it? It's all right. Father, thank you so much for another great evening to be together. It's always a great time, Father, when we get together with you and the family of Christ. So I ask just now that you'll bless whatever meetings we get to have this um, these next two days here or four days or whatever it's going to be. Thank you for what you're going to do. Bring healing to our church family, Father. We need our brothers and sisters. Thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen.